Hey guys, this is our first podcast. We're not entirely sure about what we're going to call it just yet, but uh, I'm Ethan and I've got my two friends here. What's up? I'm Avery. I'm Trey. And we've got another friend who will be joining us in a later episode. Um, so I think for today, we're mostly going to talk about baseball, but we should cover some other sports as well. So first, I'm just going to go over um, this week's series. So the Orioles beat the Yankees in their series to take uh, three of four. This is the first time the Orioles beat the Yankees in a season uh, since March of 2019, which was the first series that year. The Red Sox lost their series with Toronto two to three as the Blue Jays move up to the second place in their division for the first time in a few years. The Rays just took two of three from the Marlins, and they now have a 97% chance to make the or to win the division, which would be their first since 2010. They also won one in 2008 when they uh, went to the World Series and lost to the Phillies. The Braves and Nationals split their series two to two. Freddie Freeman hit his first two Grand Slams in his career and like, Back-to-back games, right? Yeah, it was. He hadn't hit a grand slam in his entire ten-year career, and then he hits two in a three-game in a three-game span. And what did Acuna do? He broke the Braves franchise record with leadoff home runs. The previous record was seventeen. He hit his eighteenth in that series, which is incredibly impressive because he's only twenty-two. And even though the leadoff role has changed a lot over the past few years, it was mainly more of a contact role, more of a speed role. Uh, in recent years, a lot of it's really had. A, seen a big power surge and Acuna has really taken advantage of that. He's, he's a great leadoff man for the Braves, a great table setter. And I think it really gives the offense a jolt when you see a leadoff man go out there and blast a 400 plus foot homer to begin the game. It really gets the team fired up, really gets them locked in. I, I think it's really good seeing this power surge from the leadoff spot. Do you know if it's an Atlanta brave record or just all of Boston Braves and all the Braves? The entire franchise, the entire Boston, franchise. Milwaukee, everywhere. Entire franchise and the guy with 17 home runs. Which could have hit 18. The guy with 17, it took him three times as long as Acuna did. Wow. So. Uh, the Mets currently lead the Phillies two to one as they head into the final game of the series. Uh, DeGrom had another terrific outing as he puts himself in the top position or one of the top positions to win the NLC Young. If he wins it this year, he'll be the first pitcher to win three straight since Randy Johnson did it uh, in 99 to 2002. Uh, Randy Johnson actually won four in a row. He's um, dropped, his, dropped his ERA at about 1.69, so he just trailing you, Darvish. And I believe if he gets it up a little bit, he's probably going to win it. I think he's got like 14, I don't know. It's got to be at least 12 or 13 Ks per nine. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. He's, he was throwing 100 late in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a career-high 35 swinging strikes, which is the most of any pitcher since they began tracking it in 2008. Uh, so that includes like Kershaw's prime and everything. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Um, the White Sox swept the Royals in their four-game set. Uh, they outscored them by 16 runs. I think uh, I think they scored something like 30 runs in four games. Um, and Abreu extended his hit streak to 20 games. He's been terrific. Uh, a lot of people didn't think that they should re-sign him. He was getting older. He didn't have the greatest season last year, but he pretty much goes out there every year, hits 30 home runs, 100 RBIs, plays well this year he's played pretty good defense but uh i mean he's a great first baseman i think he's 32 or 33 uh he's an awesome guy awesome vet to have on the team with all these youngsters uh white Sox look uh look really good right now um 
The Indians take two of three from the Brewers, and Bieber lowered his ERA to a buck twenty-five, while he has almost a near he has near fifteen Ks per nine, which is just as a starting pitcher is just stupid. I mean, that's Edwin Diaz level of strikeouts. Uh, and the Indians are now a half game out of the first place behind the White Sox. Can I just say that the AL Central is probably one of the most interesting divisions as you got the White Sox at 26 and 15, Indians at 25 and 15, and then you got the Twins who are 25 and 17. So that's mm-hmm. three teams that are going to be in the postseason that are all World Series contenders in my eyes. They all have good, decent pitching and all have decent offenses. I definitely agree. And it's, they've had some surprises in the division too. Like everybody expected the White Sox to make a leap, but I don't really think anybody expected them to be this good. I mean, they're currently sitting in the top five in the power rankings, which not many people saw coming into this year. They like I kind of expected them to have a playoff chance, but I didn't think they would be this overpowering this quickly. Certainly impressive. Um, and speaking of overpowering, uh, the Twins lead their five-game set with the Tigers 3-1. to one. Uh, They go into their final game this afternoon. On Saturday, they actually walked it off thanks to Miguel Sano and Byron Buxton. And Nelson Cruz continues to ignore father time as he's 40-plus years old and He's like second or third in the home run race and mm-hmm. crazy OPS. I mean, I he could do this until he's 45. I wouldn't be that shocked. Yeah, if he was to win the MVP this year, which he is definitely top three in my eyes, he'd be the oldest ever MVP ever. That's pretty yeah. awesome. So, uh, the Cardinals lead their series with the Cubs by a score of three to one. And um, with their third straight win, the Cards are now just a game and a half behind the Cubs. And the Cubs had a Great start. Um, I think the run differential has gone down a little bit. Um, so the cars are trying to capitalize on that. Uh, the Reds and the Pirates split their four-game series 2-2. Two to two, And after a slow start, Suarez, who hit 49 home runs last year, is heating up as he hit three versus the Pirates. And uh, for the Pirates, the key Brian Hayes, whose dad, Charlie Hayes, played 14 years in the bigs, is giving the Bucks much-needed hope for the future because they – don't have anything on that roster, especially since they traded away all their young guys. Thank you, Chris Archer. <laughs> um, the Angels sweep the Astros four to zero. Thank God. And yeah, I think everybody wants to see the Angels get in because of Mike Trout has been in one playoff series, and pretty sure they got swept. And I don't remember what year it was, but everyone wants to see, hoping that he would get in this year. And it doesn't look like the Angels are, can even get in the playoffs with the uh, eight teams making the playoffs this year, even so. with Rendon. Like. Yeah. The ball. I was expecting Rendon to really give the Angels a big boost this year. I was really expecting him to help this team become more well-rounded, but they Dylan just haven't Bundy. been able to put it together. Yeah, and their pitching just is not. Mm-hmm. At least, at least they got lucky with Dylan Bundy. We'll say that. It's very true. Julio, very true. Julio Teron's got over a nine ERA. <laughs> not a good pickup for them. So not at all. But uh, Trout hit his three hundredth career home run. Uh, and he's only 29. He's mm-hmm. now in the franchise leader in big flies, as the angel announcer Victor calls them. Uh, and he continues his case for being a legitimate best player ever, if if not top five. I mean, he's, he's definitely on that. Stupid. He's definitely on that track. And a big thing for me, when people talk about the best player ever, I like to look at the most well-rounded. And in my eyes, the three best, most well-rounded players of all time are Willie Mays, Ken Griffey, and Mike Trout. And Mike Trout fits that build perfectly to me. I definitely think he fits. He's going to fit into the best ever conversation if he doesn't already. And I definitely think he's going to make a great case for that as his career goes on. 
And, and no shocker, he's leading the lead in a 60-game season. He's still leading the league in home runs, uh, runs, slugging percentage, and OPS after starting having a slow start. He's now tearing it up again and leading and looking like he's going to get his fourth MVP with ease. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I like to point out about Trout is a lot of people say for baseball players, their prime is about 29 to 31, somewhere in that range. And just think about how scary this is. Mike Trout is just now hitting his prime. So think about all the success he's had, and he is just now hitting his athletic prime. That is insane. And uh, something that's really awesome is um, he actually um, now, or one of his cards from when he was a prospect sold for nearly $4 million mm-hmm. about a month ago. So he broke the Hans Wagner record. I mean, everybody is on board. Everybody wants to see him continue this dominance. Um, everybody is a Mike Trout fan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if they aren't, then I don't know what they're doing. Couldn't be the nicest guy, too. He's, he's an can't awesome even trash guy. talk the Astros. No, we can't. <laughs> I saw a video. They mic'd mm-hmm. him up. They mic'd him up. He was and messing around. He was. Um, the uh, the A's defeat the surging Padres two games to one, and they now have the second highest chance to win the World Series. Um, so the city of Oakland and their 310 fans are rejoicing right now. But um, congratulations, Oakland. Yeah, because, I mean, when I think of Oakland, I really don't think of – they never come to my mind as, like, a powerhouse team. Mm-hmm. When you think of powerhouse teams, you think of teams like the Dodgers, the, the Yankees, and et cetera. Yeah, so, every year. And Oakland's, Oakland's always sitting there at the end of the year, but they just never get playoffs. Playoffs, they always get eliminated first round. So maybe this is their year. I don't know. Mm-hmm. but Usually I mean, they, they start this or our normal season off, and they're, like, 500. And then by the end of the year, they've won 93 games. And you're like, how did that happen? They kind of just come out of nowhere. They're always that one sleeper team that just keeps grinding and keeps improving throughout the season. Yeah. Yeah. I'm never going to never gonna believe them until they can prove something in the playoffs, at least mm-hmm. make an AL championship series or something. So I'm actually going to have some hope in them. But mm-hmm. I would love to see the A's. They're always an underdog. So it'd be mm-hmm. good to see them win. And that that infield is just awesome. I mean, Matt Olson, Marcus Simeon. It's- mm-hmm. Simeon's underrated. Defensive highlights that comes out of that team. Yeah, sure. Stupid good. Um, the Mariners are aiming for the sweep against the Rangers as they go into their fourth game of the series today. and uh, They actually had some nice news, which is, which is good for Seattle Mariners. The 32-year-old Kyle Seeger is now fourth on the Mariners' all-time hit list behind Ichiro, Edgar Martinez, and uh, the kid Griffey Jr. So um, they've got Kyle Seeger. Uh, climbing up the the lighter uh, the leaderboard and Kyle Lewis um, hitting dingers and maybe the future looks not that bad. Uh, See, I'm gonna say something about the Rangers here. Is I don't agree with what they did the trade deadline. Yes, it's like a week yeah. ago they have Lance Lynn sitting there, year left. Doesn't look like the Rangers aren't gonna do anything this year. I don't expect them doing anything next year. And Lance Lynn is having one of the best years of his career. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why you don't trade him. I. 100% agree with you. I mean, you've got Lance Lynn sitting there, like you said, one of the best years of his career. Like, And the Rangers really don't have much for the future, just like you said, to touch on what you said, Avery. And um, I definitely think this is a good chance with Lance Lynn sitting there having that great ERA. You can definitely get some very solid prospects for him in a deal. And I'm very surprised that the Rangers didn't deal him at the deadline. Well, they, they did the same thing that they did with Mike Minor the other it's year. Very true. They asked for like team best prospects and they That's wouldn't way budge. Too much. And I mean, the, the, the big teams that went after him, like the Dodgers, that's too much. Um, and uh, I mean, now, too. now they're sitting on their butts and they're probably like, uh, could have gotten something. Mm-hmm. 
but maybe it'll work out for them. We'll see. Uh, I think Lynn is maybe 31, 32. Uh, I, I, I would have loved to get a couple 20-something prospects mm-hmm. if I'm a Rangers fan. I think, think you'd want to give them something to look forward to in that new ballpark. But maybe maybe they believe in the squad. Uh, Joey Gallo can maybe have a year like 2019 again. And I don't know why they didn't trade Joey Gallo either. I was hearing his name going around too. Mm-hmm. Well, he's, I was hearing him in the package deal with Lynn for even a couple teams. I, I was seeing that, but he's like 25, 26. So. Mm-hmm. And they do like him. He's great in the outfield. He hits dingers. He gets on base all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go on to the next uh, series here. The Giants lead the series versus the D-backs 2-1. to one. And um, some cool news for the D-backs. Everyone's favorite baseball player, Tim LeCastro, hit his first home run of the year. Uh, he's the fastest man in baseball and the only player who can steal first. He has 23 hit-by-pitches since last year. I think he's probably played like 100 games. Uh, he just stands there. He does not move at all. He He's awesome. And once he gets to first base, he steals second and third, and then you're like, oh, shit. But uh, good for him. He, 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 he went home the easy, easy way today. He didn't have to run. He just hit the ball out of the ballpark, and he jogged around the bases. So good for Tim. Uh, the Yastrzemski family continues their legacy of mashing the ball as Mike is sure to get some MVP votes this fall. Uh, I wouldn't say he came out of right field because he had some nice meet or some nice moments last year. He hit that home run Fenway that the that went went viral. Um, but I mean, he's 29 years old, certainly a late bloomer. But you look at guys like Jose Bautista, and you realize that you can be a late bloomer but still have an awesome career. So mm-hmm. good for him. Top 10 in OPS plus too, I believe. Yeah, he's he's been pretty awesome. Um, and then the final series, the Rockies beat the Dodgers two to three, but the Dodgers still have an astronomical plus ninety eight run differential, which is about double as much as anybody else in the league. Mm-hmm. First, team, first team to thirty wins as well. If they do not win the World Series this year, I, I don't. I don't know how you don't. You got Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, two MVPs in the last three years, sitting your outfield. Have a crazy pitching staff. Mm-hmm. No, I, they don't. It's ridiculous. I do remember them doing this before. Um, like in 2017, people were talking about them being the greatest team ever. Uh, they were talking about over 110 wins. And then the final month of the season, now obviously this is over 162, but the final month of the season, they, I wouldn't say fall, fell apart. They still had probably 100 wins, but they lost more games than they won and they, they fell off a little bit. Um, and sure, they didn't have Mookie Betts, but they did have Manny Machado. Um, I mean, they have done this before. They have been the best baseball team before, and they have fell on their faces before. Yeah, an, an interesting fact is if the season ended today, the Dodgers would be playing the Giants in the one versus eight series. So I believe, like, I know the Giants aren't the Giants of – 2010 mm-hmm. to 2015. It is an even anything, year, though. But it is an even <laughs> year. It is the Giants who somehow always seem to do good stuff in the postseason. And if I'm the Dodgers, if I'm any team like the Dodgers, the Braves, the Rays, the Yankees, Astros, I'm scared of a little three-game series because mm-hmm. it's, in my opinion, it's luck-based. If you have one bad game and your ace is out there has a bad game, you're not going to your second pitcher and he has a bad, decent game, but you lose a close game, you're out of there even though you might be 
one of the best teams in the league. So I believe there will be a one seed or two seed good, like one of the better teams you eliminated in the first round just because something like that. I definitely agree with you. I could definitely see that. I think the Giants in all their World Series, I don't, I don't know if they had one year where they won more than 95 or 96 games. Like, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't win the division one it, year. It was, World Series. it was like they got in there, they squeaked in there, and they had some really awesome pitching performances, and the bats were Madison there. Madison Bumgarner. Madison Bumgarner. Sticks out. Um, who is doing terrible right now. But Diamondbacks. Poor Diamondbacks. People were like, let's sign Bumgarner. He's better than Strasburg. He was better than Cole. And then it's like, uh, I don't know about that one. But um, maybe he'll turn it around. So I think we're going to talk about uh, the home run race right now because somebody – is going to hit 20 home runs. Um, I believe there's going to be a couple. Uh, I would say a few guys are going to hit. It's a tight race. I mean, everybody's like one or two home runs away. It's definitely mm-hmm. possible. Um, right now, it's uh, Trout's got 15, and so does Tatis. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the and then Tiasco, who just or Tiasco Hernandez, who just went on the IL. I'm not sure if he's going to make it back mm-hmm. uh, to finish the year, which really sucks because he was having an amazing season and he was always supposed to be this player. Mm-hmm. Uh, I drafted him on my fantasy team a couple of years ago because I thought it was going to happen that year. It didn't, but it's good to see that he's finally getting the recognition he deserves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's got 14. Luke Voigt has 14. And then you've got uh, Nelson Cruz. Um, who's just ridiculous. Uh, Ozuna. Ozuna's having a phenomenal year. One thing I want to mention about Ozuna the Braves got him on a one-year deal, too. So once again, similar to last year, this is a contract year for Ozuna. And if he keeps playing like this, he's going to be one of those guys that's going to get big money in the offseason. I think this is a huge year for him. He's hitting a little above 300, I think about 310 or so. It's been a phenomenal year for him, and it's very exciting to watch. He's And he's hitting the ball hard, too. Like we're like these home runs he's hitting, we're not talking about wall scrapers or you know second row, third row. I mean, he's cleared – Cleared the monster at Fenway a couple times this year. He's hit multiple balls over 450 feet. To get back, he's batting 311. But mm-hmm. one of my sleepers to get to 20 home runs, he's at nine home runs right now. We talked about him earlier. He's hit, I believe, four leadoff home, three or four leadoff home runs in the last week is Ronald Acuna. who's now at mm-hmm. nine home runs. And when the kid gets hot, he can hit 10 home runs in a week. So I believe – He's looking like he's getting on a hot spree. I could see him getting to 20 home runs. And uh, other ones, I believe, I believe Trout will get there easy. Tatis mm-hmm. will get there easy. Void will probably get there. So, and then I could see a guy like Nelson Cruz, Mookie Betts, Arizona, or Cassianos getting there too. But I think my sleeper pick is going to be Acuna. So. I definitely agree with that. I'm going to go down the list and just talk about some other guys who've had huge power strokes this year. Uh, Talk about how stupid Joe Madden was for the last three years because he thought that Albert Amoro Jr. was better than Ian Happ, and mm-hmm. he started him in the outfield and for over half for three years. And Happ spent many um, time or much time in AAA because mm-hmm. they wanted to run out Almora. Um, and then as soon as Joe Madden leaves, Ian Happ is crushing the ball, 420 on base, 12 home runs. I'll take that. Mm-hmm. Um, Sitting above 300, too. Anthony Santander for uh, Baltimore just went on the IL, but he has been uh, one of their uh, several, actually, uh, bright spots this year. He's got 11. Um, and then um, they got somebody hitting 400. Uh, I think he missed some time, though. 
so Baltimore actually has some hope. Um, a lot of people thought that they were just going to roll over this year and not not try at all, and that actually ended up being the Red Sox and and the Orioles are just trying to throw out their young talent. They got a couple of guys. They got I think one guy's name is M- Mountcastle. You could a couple Mountcastle, mm-hmm. couple homers the other day. Um, I think he hit like twenty six in AAA last year. Um, they they've got a couple of pieces. Uh, they had like two or three pitching debuts in the last half week. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you got to be rooting for the Orioles. You got to have to. <laughs> and they're they're only. I mean, they've been we're in the playoff contention most of the year. They're not now, and but I mean, they're only two back from the Yankees. And the way the Yankees have been playing, never been. anything's possible. Is you know, Toronto passed them yesterday. Toronto's mm-hmm. on second seed. The Yankees are now three seed, which they're the eighth seed in the playoffs. So anything can happen. They're Yankees are twenty one nineteen. Baltimore's nineteen twenty one. So mm-hmm. two games out. So still got twenty games left. Anything happens. It's gonna be an interesting last three weeks for sure. I think I think with the postseason race being expanded, I do think for this one year, it's gonna be good for baseball in this shortened season. It's fun. Especially for sure. oh it it definitely is. And that's, I don't want to see it again. <laughs> exactly. I don't either, but I do think it's gonna be fun just for this one year with the shortened season, with the expanded playoffs. The next three weeks are going to be absolutely insane with so many teams jockeying for a position. I mean, there's so many teams that have a chance at the playoffs right now. And, of course, you have your mainstays, like we mentioned earlier, your Dodgers, Braves. Um, the White Sox are definitely going to make a big push, teams like that. But just to see these smaller teams really getting a shot and go to the postseason, and like Avery mentioned earlier, a lot of these teams, they're going to come in motivated, they're going to come in hungry, and we could very well see some one or two seeds be, be upset by these lower-ranked, lower-chance Seven and eight seeds. I could definitely see it happening. And the the GMs wanted this um, not to be uh, not to be to be blunt, but it was because they mm-hmm. wanted to make more money, mm-hmm. uh, and they were worried that if the Yankees or the Dodgers had a bad couple weeks stint, which the Yankees have, mm-hmm. that they wouldn't make the playoffs, and how much money you lose off that. And mm-hmm. if that was over a full year, you wouldn't even notice that they had a bad two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. But um, they would lose a shit ton of money. Uh, but all these young teams, it's great for these young players. Um, mm-hmm. It's exciting. Um, and um, it's awesome for the fans who, like uh, the White Sox, the Padres, and somebody else haven't been to the playoffs in like a decade, and they're all like right in the race. I mean, mm-hmm. that's awesome. I mean, in my opinion, I believe like years to come, like you can't have an eight, eight teams making it because like NBA, it's like you don't have to be like yeah. teams under 500 yeah, and making it. And I mean, then get swept. Yeah. Right now you have – I mean, I guess you only have one team that's under 500 and technically right now it's the Giants, the 20 and 21. But what I would like to see is almost six teams each year, how like an NFL does it. Right. And having the one and two seeds getting buys and then like the three seed and then you have three wild card teams. So three seed going six, four go gets the five. Mm-hmm. I could see something like that, like a little shortened three game series like that or something like that. But I wish – on a normal year, they could do a three-game series for wild card, and I understand why they can't because then you have the top teams. They have to sit and wait mm-hmm. for a few days. You don't want that. But just the one game, like I don't remember what I saw, but it was like in football, a wild card game is one game, and that's yes. like X amount of their schedule. But I mean, baseball teams play up like so many games 162 games you're betting that on one one game game? i mean that's that's just crazy like i think they said that if if um if baseball wanted to do the equivalent to football they'd have like a four or five game series i mean it's just Mm -hmm. 
I understand the one-game series, and it's certainly good for baseball because it used to be that if you didn't win the division, oh, sucks, too bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, ask the Washington Nationals. They would not have done what they did if it was, uh, you know, not even that long ago. So, In my opinion, I could see it just being all seven-game series like the like NBA because mm-hmm. you always see the best team coming out, in my opinion, but- in the NBA. I I agree with that, too. Like, I've seen so many people over the years saying with the regular season, if 162 games isn't enough to figure out who the best teams are, then what does? And then in the the playoffs, like Avery just said, if a seven-game series isn't enough to determine who's the best team between those two teams, then what is? But also, like, uh, and I was thinking about this the other day, um, if you're, like, waiting, if you're the NL team and you swept your opponent and the AL team took the game – or took seven games and that's like over nine days mm-hmm. you're done you're sitting on the bench i don't think you're complaining so i think we could have a three-game wild card because mm-hmm. i don't know um but just like i was explaining to one of my friends that doesn't really understand baseball and he was like why why is there one game of five and a seven game in the playoffs like it doesn't make sense everybody else or most other sports it's it's all five all seven like it's it's definitely odd. Like hockey seven, it, basketball seven. It's it's, it's interesting. Um, but I mean, we'll see what happens this year. Uh, you Even can't really get like a ten race playoff. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, this year, like um, like a week ago, uh, or or what? Like um, August twentieth. I mean, I wonder what the Phillies' chances to make the playoffs was. It was um, it was sixty or it was forty four, and now it's like eighty nine. Like mm-hmm. s- it changes so fast this year. Um, uh, the playoff bracket's certainly going to be interesting. Um, it's going to be fun. I mean, yeah. It's going to be like March Madness, kind of sit down mm-hmm. watching. Like, oh my god, like these are great. Like you're going to be like rooting against the Dodgers, who are mm-hmm. sitting right now at thirty and twelve or un unbelievable record right now. Yeah. They're going to be rooting for them because I'm guessing they're going to end up with at least 40 wins, if not 45. Mm-hmm. They're going to be rooting for them going, oh, come on, I want them to lose. And maybe they lose game one and people are going to be on their seat watching that game two or mm-hmm. game three. You know what I mean? I agree. So Here's something I actually think is funny. Um, so Fangrass, they update their playoff projections and the win World Series and the standings faster than some of the other sites. So um, every last place team has a 0.0% chance to win the World Series, except for the Nationals. They have a 0.1 chance. And I, I ju- I'm just wondering if they just put that 0.1 just in case they had a repeat of last year where mm-hmm. everybody just put it together at once. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I mean, that's pretty funny. Like, uh, <laughs> I just don't think they're going to be able to turn it around like last year. Cause I mean, last year they there were 19 no and 31. No way. And they came back and somehow managed to make the playoffs. And this year, there's just not enough time. I mean, in the 60-game season, that's why you saw so many roster moves so early in the year, just because you don't have time to go through these struggles. And I do think it's a little bit too late for the Nationals. They and, would have to win every game, and even then, I, I don't know. Exactly. I mean, there's like it, a third season, yes. And, and that's, if, that's if, you know, the Braves and Phillies and Mets, that's if they fall off and start losing a bunch. And, I mean, the, the Mets have been trying to make a push here. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people don't believe in the Mets, but they have ballers on every part of the roster. Mm-hmm. There's no reason that they shouldn't be in contention to win this division. I agree. They, I mean, you think when you look at their 
the roster and you're like, oh, Dominic Smith, who he's never put together. Who he is now. Mm-hmm. Brandon Nemo, great player. Michael Conforto, great Todd player. Frazier. Todd Frazier can play third to give you a little top. I mean, pop. You have Jacob DeGrom, you have a chance to make the playoffs. Uh, Seth Lugo decided he always wanted to be in the rotation. He was in the rotation. I'm pretty sure he beat the Phillies or whoever he whoever he played in his first uh, game as a starter. I mean, mm-hmm. Edwin Diaz, people say he sucked. He did not. He was incredible. Uh, he was very unlucky uh, this year. He's been stupid good. Um, you got Dylan Batances. There's no – Dylan Batances, uh, he, he, can, he can put it up there with the Ks for 9-2. Uh, there, if they do not make the playoffs, it – in an eight game or, or eight teams make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like if the Giants sneak in and the and the Mets don't, I mean, it's going to be like, I mean, what are we doing? Like, how can you improve the roster? Like realistically, mm-hmm. I mean, they lost Zach Wheeler in who is just shoving for the Phillies, and speaking, they haven't really. Speaking of the Phillies, I do want to point out a big reason for their turnaround. Also, other bullpen acquisitions. They made some huge acquisitions to their bullpen. Their bullpen was the worst in baseball for a while, statistically, or at least in the bottom five. And since those acquisitions, they have completely turned it around. That's been a huge, huge, huge addition. And it's hilarious because they didn't even get guys that good. They just got major league players who have had okay, maybe a little bit good seasons They had consistency. And something I'd like to point out is mentally, that's going to improve the team morale as well. Because, I mean, you've got starters going out there thinking – I mean, they're putting extra pressure on themselves, thinking, okay, if I struggle, what do I have to fall back on? Well, now it's like you don't want to rely on the bullpen, but at the same time, knowing you have that security blanket is going to help the starters' morale as well. They're thinking, hey, I don't have to, you know, I don't have to give up like one run for us to win. Like I remember seeing a, a graphic a couple weeks ago, and it was like the Phillies' run differential inning one through three mm-hmm. was like plus ten, and then like four through five was like plus five mm-hmm. and then like six through nine was like negative 17. So the Phillies are definitely an interesting team. Uh, they've got a shot. They've got the bats. They've got the, the pitching. They got the bullpen. Uh, good luck to them. So we're going to talk about uh, the MVPs. And right now it's, it's probably the two faces of baseball. You've got Mike Trout, you've got Fernando Tatis and, mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty awesome. I don't see anyone. Uh, I can put that as a lock right now unless Trout falls off, Cruz comes up or something. But I don't think – the only one that can maybe pass Tatis is maybe Mookie Betts, but mm-hmm. I, I don't see it. I, w- I would say if I had to choose between the two, I'd say Trout is the more definite lock. I mean, he's just had so many consistent seasons. I just don't see him falling off that hard. Tatis, I don't see him falling off either, but it's possible. I mean, I doubt it, but yeah. I would say he's the more vulnerable between the two. But they should win. Um, the the number two and the number three. Uh, I'm sure that's going to come down to the absolute wire. Since if you go one or zero oh for four in the final game of the season, it's going to drop your batting average by like 25 points. Mm-hmm. But uh, then there'll be some weird guy who like be like Rowdy Telez, mm-hmm. and he's going to get my MVP. Too. And nothing bad about Rowdy Telez, but there's always going to be. There's some weird old voters in baseball. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe we can change that um, at some point. But I think we're going to go on to some other sports now. All right, so I'm going to talk about MMA for a little bit here. It's pretty much my forte. I know that sport better than any. But just kind of going to touch on some highlights here. But the main thing I want to talk about is, of course, this week's card. 
being headlined by Angela Hill and Michelle Watterson in a five-round strawweight bout. Of course, this bout was originally the co-main event. The original main event was supposed to be a highly anticipated light heavyweight bout between Tiago Santos and Glover Teixeira. Um, unfortunately, Teixeira did test positive for COVID, so that fight is off. It's being rescheduled for Fight Island in October. But now back to Hill and Michelle Watterson headlining. And it's a very interesting bout stylistically because you have Michelle Watterson, which obviously you can tell by her nickname, the Karate Hottie. She is a karate expert, a karate specialist. And she's facing Angela Hill, who is more of a Muay Thai-based style. And in the MMA, you don't really see that many karate-based fighters. I mean, the main ones that come to mind are Machida, Wonder Boy, and of course, Michelle Watterson. And so you don't really see this stylistic matchup that often. Um, Machida, of course, was big back when Anderson Silva was big, but they never really fought each other. They trained together, so of course they never fought. Um, Wonder Boy's never really fought a mainly Muay Thai specialist either. But this is definitely going to be an interesting fight for these two ladies. And a lot of people were skeptical about it being bumped up to a five-round main event versus a three-round main event. Um, I think it's going to be just fine. Both Hill and Watterson have exceptional cardio, especially Angela Hill. Both ladies coming off a loss to Angela Hill barely lost a close split decision to Claudia Gedalia earlier this year. Highly controversial. Personally, I even had Hill winning it. Um, and then, of course, Watterson coming off a loss to Carla Esparza, the former champion. Definitely going to be an interesting main event. But I do want to touch on some big news here. Uh, we'll save the best for last. But the first thing I want to talk about is Kamzat Shamayev, the hottest prospect in the sport right now, being booked for not just one but two fights, which is absolutely insane. And personally, I think a little odd. So, of course, we all saw Shamayev on Fight Island. He made his debut at 185 pounds of middleweight, taking on the Welshman John Phillips. Absolutely mauled him, dominated him. Ten days later, drops down 15 pounds to 170 pounds at welterweight and beats Reese McGee, who was the hottest prospect coming out of Europe at the time. Shamayev is 8-0, by far the hottest prospect in the sport. And on September 19th, that's the same night as Colby Covington and Tyron Woodley, he will be facing Gerald Mearshart, who is just outside the middleweight rankings at the moment, of course, coming off a loss to the ranked Ian Heinish at UFC 250. But it's going to be an interesting test for Shamaya for sure. And then if he get past, gets past Mearshart, then Damian Maia is going to be waiting for him on Fight Island at 170. And what's very interesting about that is Damian Maia is, of course, a submission ace. He is a third-degree black belt in Brazilian, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And, of course, Shamayev's trade is Russian combat sambo wrestling. It would be very interesting to see how Maia's submission game will fare against Shamayev's wrestling game. Can Shamayev dominate him like he's dominated the rest of his opponents? Because, of, of course, you don't want to go to the ground with Damian Maia typically. But some have, some have been able to control him on the ground. Colby Covington comes to mind. Tyron Woodley was able to stuff Damian Maia's takedowns and neutralize his grappling, which makes you think he does struggle against wrestlers. He tends to. So it'll be interesting if Shamayev's wrestling can neutralize the submission game of Maya. Also, I want to touch on this huge news. Of course, we've all seen Nate Diaz grow over the past couple of years, but his older brother Nick has announced he is going to try and come back in 2021. Of course, we haven't seen Nick since January of 2015 in a controversial loss to Anderson Silva. Of course, the headline of that bout was not the fight, unfortunately, as Silva would test positive for anabolic steroids. Diaz would test positive for marijuana metabolites because what else would a Diaz brother test positive for and subsequently suspended five years, which I think was absolutely ridiculous. And while the uh, suspension was reduced a couple of years ago, Diaz still has not been seen since. But recently he posted a video out on social media. It went viral of him doing a test weight cut 
for 170 pounds. He looked lean. He looked good. He looked in shape. And he announced that he does, does want to come back in 2021. A lot of people have been wondering what would be a good opponent for him. I say the best opponent would be Robbie Lawler. Of course, they fought before, and Diaz floored Robbie with a right hand. And that was really the breakout performance for Diaz. It showed how good his boxing truly was. And I think it's a great gauge for him, too. Of course, Lawler, the former champion, unfortunately has not looked like himself in his past few performances, most recently being dominated by Neil Magny. But I think it would be a phenomenal gauge for Diaz just to see where he's at skill-wise. Uh, Wonderboy's throwing his name into the hat as well. But I think Lawler would be a more interesting opponent for Diaz's comeback because, like I said, not only is Lawler kind of declining, it would be a great opportunity to see where Diaz is at skill-wise. But also they have some history there too, of course, a previous bout between the two. I think it would be a phenomenal comeback fight for Diaz, and I definitely hope they make that fight. And just really want to touch on real quick, speaking of 2021, a lot of people have been overlooking this, but the Bantamweight division right now is currently stacked, and it's about to get even better as the former champion TJ Dillashaw suspension will be up in 2021, of course being suspended after getting knocked out by Henry Cejudo in 32 seconds. But Dillashaw going to be coming back to an already loaded division, which he once ruled. It'll be very interesting to see how he will fare there as well. That's basically the headlines for the MMA news, and I want to turn it over to Avery. Of course, we'll throw in a couple things here between Ethan and I as well. But Avery's going to be covering some NBA news right now. I will turn it over to him. Okay, guys. So, as we know, the NBA playoffs are going on right now, and uh, we're in the semifinals for the conference finals and for the conference. And so the four main, uh, you know, the four we got going on right now, we got Boston Celtics, who are now up 3-2. And we got the LA Clippers and Denver Nuggets. The series yeah. is tied right now. They're and actually the playing right now. Knicks. In the New York Knicks. Yeah, the, yeah, the New York Knicks are actually no. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and then we got the Miami, Miami and Milwaukee. Who it's three one. Miami's up, and then we also got uh, the Lakers and Houston, who is one one. So I'm gonna go through each one slowly a little bit. So I'm gonna start with the Lakers and Rockets. Um, this one, this matchup is actually kind of surprising to me. I personally didn't think the Rockets are actually gonna beat OKC. I had OKC winning, and then the Lakers beating OKC in four. But I believe the Rockets actually have a chance against the Lakers because. In my opinion, the Lakers don't have shooting from threes. And the Rockets, they have lights out shooting. Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, James Harden, you know, Russell Westbrook, not a great three-point shooter, but he's decent. That's four decent – that's four good shooters from three. The Lakers have nobody. Avery Bradley's not playing this year. I mean, you can't name a three-point shooter on the Lakers that you would trust to get a three-point shot. On the Rockets, I can name three that I'd feel confident getting from – so that's why I believe if the Rockets are hitting their threes, as you saw, saw in game one, they literally beat the Lakers by 20. But we saw that game two, they didn't beat them because their threes weren't hitting. And it all goes down on Russ and uh, Harden, too. If Harden's not playing good, then I don't see him getting Harden. Getting, he's taking 40% of their shots, so he's going to score 40 points. He's not scoring 30, 40 points. So there's, it's not going to be a game. You know what I think it was funny? Uh, so, I mean, I love LeBron James and – Everybody, I mean, everybody should love him. Some people hate him for some reason. But Bleach Report loves him a little bit too much. I think everybody can agree. Um, so yesterday, or maybe it was today, they posted that he now is number two in the uh, the, the leaderboards for three points made in the playoffs. And the reason this is funny, because the number one was Seth Curry. Curry. You can just think about how many more games LeBron took to get to the second place, whereas Seth Curry. Well, he gets a little different about LeBron plays. LeBron's more 
driving kind of guy. So yeah, very, LeBron's more of an in the paint. He's very physical too. He's a very yeah. strong person, like very strong guy. And he's able to outmuscle a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's why LeBron is typically more of an interior player than a perimeter player. And Anthony Davis, the same way. Of course, Davis, a big man. Of course, you're going to be playing in the paint. But. Uh, so going on the next uh, one in the Western Conference is the Nuggets and the Clippers. I'm surprised this series is 1-1. I think the Clippers just had a bad game. I expect the Clippers to win this 4-1. Mm-hmm. I don't see the Nuggets even having anywhere competing with the Clippers. I mean, you have Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Patrick Beverly. I mean, I can go on. You got the six man. Like. I have to agree. And one thing I definitely want to point out for this series, too, is Jamal Murray has been going off for the Nuggets. But what a lot of people are overlooking is the defensive prowess of Patrick Beverly. He's one of the better defensive guards in the league. And a lot of people were so high on Jamal Murray, they were forgetting about Beverly's defensive skills. I think that's a big part of this series. It's going to play a huge part. And of course, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, are, especially Kawhi, are defensively exceptional as well. So going to the East, uh, the other series that's really shocking a lot of people, not to me, is the Heat and the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Is people thought the Heat were actually going to sweep them the other day, but you know Toronto pulled something out and actually got the overtime win to stay stay alive. Which mm-hmm. I could see. I mean, I could see this being the first ever 3-0 comeback, but I don't think it will. But I mean, Miami came out of nowhere after losing Dwayne Wade last year. You would think they wouldn't be Finals contenders not even making the playoffs last year, but you got guys like Jimmy Butler, Crowder, Bam Adebayo, uh, Drogic, which is one of the mm-hmm. craziest guys. Like He's doing so good in the playoffs. He's averaging like 20 points a game. And you got Tyler Hero, Andre Godal, who's, you know, is a former Finals MVP. And I just don't – I don't even if the Bucks do get out of this, I don't see the Bucks getting out and getting to the Finals. They just don't have mm-hmm. – they're like just one of those regular season teams that can never finish in the playoffs, which – I don't think they'll get out of this series in general. So. I agree. I think I think a big thing for the Heat coming in this series too, one thing to really focus on is their depth. I think they're one of the deepest teams in the league by far. I mean, when you've got guys like Hero coming off the bench like earlier in the season and stuff, I mean, that, that that's insane. Like Hero was such a breakout star this year. And just to think they have so many pieces at every position. They're just so deep. And they, they can have so many different combinations with who they put out on the floor, who they can match people up with. I just think they, they have a little bit of everything, really. And then so the final series in the East is the Celtics and Raptors, which the Celtics just won, so now they're up 3-2. But believe it or not, the Raptors are actually my finals winners predicting because you know you got Pat McCall, who's three-time champ, three in a row, has never lost the finals. So I had to go with them. But I believe the Raptors down 3-2. I can, I can still see the Raptors winning back-to-back. And I believe whoever wins this series between the Celtics and Raptors will make the finals. They'll beat the Heat or the Bucks. And you got – Anobi, Siakam, Gasol, Rhett Fled, Van Fleet, Lowry, Serge Ibaka. I mean, you got good players in the Boston. You got Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. So, I mean, Marcus Smart, Kemba Walker. I mean, it. they're really two good stacked teams. But that's that's what the playoffs. And the last thing I'm going to touch on the NBA is the NBA draft, mm-hmm. which I believe this is my crazy projection is you got the three guys, Anthony Edwards, Lamelo Ball, and – James Wiseman. Mm-hmm. So, as you know, uh, the Timberwolves got the number one pick. So, I see the Timberwolves taking either Anthony Edwards or James Wiseman, and Golden State has the number two pick. So, I believe Golden State will take LaMelo Ball, and I'm going to put a 2021 projection. I believe Golden State wins the 21 title because with LaMelo Ball, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, 
and I could see them maybe picking someone else up in the offseason. And I've heard rumors 2022 Giannis will go to Golden State, and I could see because I don't think I, I think if Giannis loses, I think if Giannis loses this series to the Heat, he's going to be even more upset with the Bucks because he's going to feel like he's having to carry. And then especially if Giannis gets eliminated in the first or second round next year, I don't see him staying because, you know, Giannis wants to win. I mean, Giannis has been in the league long unless you will think he's uh, he's approaching seven, eight years. If not, he's not already there. So, I mean, but that's my NBA recap. So we're all going to go to NFL now and talk about it. I actually had um, a, a couple of questions for you guys. Now, I will watch the NBA um, not that much, but um, – I was doing a little bit of, of research, and, and the first thing is, do you guys like the way the NBA as well as the NHL do the draft lottery, or do you, would you prefer it to be more like the football, baseball way? I go ahead, I like the way I like the lottery because it actually just gives you something else to watch. Like people like people don't like you know people other sports they get excited just for the draft, but with NBA and hockey, which I'm not a big hockey fan. You get excited for the lottery and the draft. So it's like mm-hmm. two like low crazy days, and your team could get a pick and That's be true. like the Knicks, and have really bad luck. Or you can, I mean, the Timberwolves weren't expected to get the top pick this year, mm-hmm. but they got lucky, got it. The same was with the Pelicans last year, you got Zion. So, I think a big thing for the lottery, the big thing that I really like about it is you have a big problem in a lot of sports that you see, which is tanking. Like in the NFL last year, it was tanking for two. This year, it's going to be tanking for Trevor. And a big thing about tanking is in the NBA, even if you tank, it's like, okay, well, now you only have a certain chance to get the number one pick. It's like so many people thought the Knicks were going to tank last year. Did they get the number one pick? No, they didn't. So I think it really does a great job eliminating that issue with tanking. And so I think the lottery is definitely a good thing. Do some teams get screwed over sometimes? Yes. The Knicks. And that exactly Every the time. Knicks so many years. And that is an issue, but Beggars can't be choosers, and if you're one of those people that complains about tanking, I think this is a great way to fix it, and so I agree with the draft lottery for sure. One of the interesting things that um, – so there are there's a whole class of people that love the NBA super teams, and there's a whole class of people that hate the NBA super teams, and there's obvious reasons for both. If you are a fan of a super team, you like super teams. If you are not a fan, if, if you're a team that – that is never super – like, you don't want to watch the Golden State. See, I'm opposite. I actually love watching Golden State. I was really cool. it's, it's certainly fun. And I'm not a Golden State fan, but Steph Curry is my favorite player, and I just love the way they play. But, it, but it's interesting how basketball, more than any other sports, a lot of people are player fans. Mm-hmm. Whereas – and I'm not even saying they're bandwagon. I'm just saying they follow, like – the player like there weren't too many boston fans that are now dodger fan to be because mm-hmm. mookie Betts was traded right but like um lebron's probably the biggest one right and I, I was looking into it and so the um the nba current salary cap is about 109 million and all these numbers are going to go down for 2021 mm-hmm. for every league um, but this current NBA salary cap this year is 109 and some change. But that's between 15 players. So that's about seven and a little more than seven per player. Mm-hmm. Um, but the um, and they have a luxury tax at 132 million. So similar to baseball, you can go higher. Mm-hmm. Um, but the apparently the average NBA payroll is 130 million. Mm-hmm. So um, the NFL salary cap is 198 million. But that's between 
53 players, which is right. around 3.7 million per player. Um, in the in the NFL average payroll is 180 million over mm-hmm. 53 players. And the MLB average payroll is is 58 million. They don't have a cap, but they do have the salary cap, and I think it's 210 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think it's it's really interesting because it's so easy to have a super team because mm-hmm. if you only have to pay 15 million or 15 players, um, and you have a salary cap of 100 million, and you can go up to 132, and you can go higher than 132, mm-hmm. it's so easy to dish out huge contracts. Right. Like it's not like in the NFL where you have to think of oh, okay I've got like a shit ton of players on the field I have to pay all of them like you don't have that problem. I my thing about the my thing about the super teams and the whole salary cap thing I think honestly with the NBA it's kind of a broken system. You see so many players so many times in the NBA switching teams, joining forces with other players, and personally like this is probably an old school approach to it, but I'm not a fan of it. Now are the super teams fun? Yes. For me, Golden State was fun until they got Kevin Durant. And the reason for that is because they built that team. They didn't just get that team. Like, they built it. They drafted Steph Curry. They drafted Klay Thompson. I like teams like that. Or even teams like the Lakers. Like, I know LeBron James and Anthony Davis kind of joined forces, but it's like the Lakers weren't that good. They went and made it a team. But the thing about the super teams for me is I don't like going into every year saying, oh, it's a lot. Golden State's going to win. Or, oh, it's a lot. Like, this team's going to win. I like it better. Like, I feel like it's more competitive in other sports because the super teams aren't as prominent. Like, are there some teams that are head and shoulders above the rest? Yes, but that doesn't guarantee anything. And I feel like in basketball, especially with the smaller rosters, I feel like it kind of does. Like, four or five good players, you're pretty much guaranteed to at least make a run at the finals. In the NFL, NHL, MLB, that's not the case. You need a complete team. And I feel like in the NBA, that's not as big of an issue. All right, so we're going to switch forces to NFL, mm-hmm. I guess. So, so we could go division by division and make predictions for each. Yeah, make predictions, and then we'll call the podcast a wrap for the day. All right, so, so we'll begin with the AFC North, who we think is going to win, why we think they're going to win. If it's not the Ravens, then it's going to be hilarious. I mean, I think it's a very interesting division. I do think Baltimore is the favorite, of course, as they should be. But one thing for me with Baltimore is their defense is going to take a big, big hit, in my opinion. Um, And I don't think they're going to be able to sustain the offensive production that they were last year. Uh, Getting J.K. Dobbins to kind of compliment Mark Ingram does help. Ingram's getting older. He's 31 years old. And I definitely think J.K. Dobbins is going to help. I think Lamar is going to have a good year. But – I just find it hard to believe that they're going to maintain that level of dominance. And also you have the Browns, which I know the past few years have kind of been a flop. But honestly, I think this year they got some really big pieces. They got Ronnie Harrison from Jacksonville. They got Austin Hooper from the Falcons signing him in free agency. They made some big moves, and they've built an incredible offense around Baker Mayfield, and their defense is stepping it up too. I think the Browns are going to be a team to watch. And the Steelers' defense too. Their offense is questionable. But their defense is definitely good enough they to maintain They almost made level. the playoffs with quite literally the worst quarterback play mm-hmm. in maybe a decade. And now they're getting Big Ben back. He's supposedly healthy. I mean, if he could just be average, mm-hmm. or at least should make a wild card. For sure. So, yeah. And the Bengals, of course, like I don't think the Bengals are going to do anything yet, but they're definitely going to have a more dynamic offense. They signed Joe Mixon to an extension, still got Gio Bernard behind him. Burrow's coming in. They drafted T. Higgins. 
they should be much more watchable than they were last year. Oh, one hundred percent. Burrow's going to bring a jolt to that team, I believe for sure. Oh, yeah, I mean, I that's, I mean, you got the last two first round picks mm-hmm. in Burrow's and Mayfield, and then Lamar was, I believe, the year before that, mm-hmm. but not the first overall or anything like that. And then you got Big Ben. So I mean, I don't, I I'm going to say the Ravens win it, but I don't think it'll be nothing like it was last year. Where the Ravens won it by six games. I right. agree. I, I think definitely agree. I'm team two or three. And I, I think Cincinnati wins more like six games. Browns may buy the yeah, wild card. In my opinion, this win like three last year. Two, in two, my opinion, geez. this is the year the Browns make that jump and make the playoffs. I think uh, Stefanski was a great hire for them. He was the Browns, right? Was it the Giants? I think he was the Browns. He was a great hire for them, though. Freddie Kitchens was horrible. That was an abomination of a hire. I don't know why they would do that, but I definitely think they're going to improve this year. Um. So um. Okay. So now we head to the AFC South. Okay. So um, that the AFC South is a good one. I'm gonna I'm gonna go leaning Tennessee. I am too. Personally, Colts. I could see Houston Colts. If Philip Rivers can play good football, the Colts are gonna do exactly what they did when Andrew Luck came back. Okay. Here's the thing about Indy for me. Phillip Rivers did not have a good year last year at all. Granted, Indianapolis is going to be a much better place for him. They just got Jonathan Taylor. They still have Marlon Mack, who, in my opinion, is probably the most underrated back in the league. Uh, Naheem Hines is still there. Uh, Paris Campbell is still there. I'm very high on him. T.Y. Hilton, they got some good tight ends as well. Great offensive line. So maybe that will help Phillip Rivers, but I'm with Avery on this one. I'm leaning towards the Titans as well. I think the Titans is the safe pick for sure. I, I, I'm believing in Ryan Tannehill and Tennessee's offense. I and I think so. I think the key for Tennessee is Mike Vrabel. He played in the NFL recently. A lot of these players know him very well. Some of them have even played with him. But he's he's got a very modern mind when it comes to the coaching approach for football. And I think that's huge. Um, the bottom half of that division is definitely weak. I mean, Houston, uh, it's tough. I mean, I love Deshaun Watson. But that Deshaun or uh, DeAndre Hopkins move, excuse me, was that was painful. That was god awful. I mean, Bill O'Brien's ego is just way too big, and Jacksonville's just a dumpster fire at this point. Other than Gardner Minshew, so they uh, they beat the Steelers, and they were like, "That is our peak. We are going to tank now." Mm-hmm. That was their goal. So everybody's leading Tennessee for the AFC South. Agreed. So all right, we're gonna move to the AFC East. I believe this one's gonna be interesting. Oh, yeah, I am personally. I'm going to lean New England still mm-hmm. staying. I could see I could see the Buffalo Buffalo winning. Mm-hmm. I think Miami's going to be better. I think the Jets are going to be better. I think that's a Jets going to be more of a middle division. I think there's going mm-hmm. to be have like everybody's going to be sitting around the 6 to 10 win mark. I Here's what I low. want to happen. I want the, the Bills and the Jets to have a close race to win the division. That's not going to happen, though. All right, I, I want I want the Patriots to win like five games. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're still going to go ten and six, and they're still going to kick the ass out of their division, and they're still going to end it. It's Bill we're Belichick just and then we're just going to be like we really gave them Cam Newton. Oh my God, it's it's going to happen. Yeah. See, for the East, I was leaning Buffalo too until the Cam Newton signing. Once they signed Cam Newton, I pretty much, I mean that that definitely kind of reinvigorates new england in my opinion and the praise that cam newton is getting out of bill belichick right now is incredible 
Cam's healthy. He's motivated. He was named a captain. He's having a phenomenal camp from what I've been hearing out of the Patriots camp. I think it's going to be kind of tough to dethrone them. Their defense did take some hits. They lost Kyle Van Noy. Chase Winovich is going to be their main middle linebacker now. But Stephon Gilmore still there. The McCourty twins are still there. Their offensive line is going to improve a little bit. They're getting David Andrews back. Isaiah Wynn is healthy. I think the Patriots are going to be forced to be reckoned with in the East. And their running back room is insane. Sonny Michelle, James White. I mean, they've got some very solid backs in there, too. I think the Patriots are definitely going to be a force. The Bills will improve, though. They got Stephon Diggs. It's a big move for them. And a very young and solid defense. I think Buffalo is going to have a good year, too. All right, so we only got four minutes left in our podcast, so we're going to kind of go quick. We have the AFC West, and we're going to go kind of quick to the NFC. NFC. Uh, so um, for the AFC West, I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a thing for that. It's the Chiefs. Like, I don't see this mm-hmm. being competitive at all. This is yeah. going to be Chiefs. Their last year is twelve and four, and then seven and nine. Mm-hmm. The rest of the teams in five and eleven charge. I see it being possibly worse. I don't think any of these teams are. I don't know if anybody's got anything else. I'm going to have to counter on that. I mean, I think Kansas State's going to win the division, but watch out for the Denver Broncos. Cortland Sutton had a breakout year last year. They are putting some pieces around Drew Locke. They got Melvin Gordon. They drafted Jerry Judy. Noah Fance there, one of the better tight ends in the league. Highly underrated. And on the defensive side, they made a big move that really flew under the radar. They got Jarrell Casey from Tennessee. That is a huge acquisition for them, in my opinion. I think they're loading up around Drew Locke. They're going all in. I don't think they're going to win the division. I could see them hovering around 500, which is going to be an improvement from last year. Here's the thing. Denver's a team to watch. I like the Broncos. They've always been one of my favorite teams to watch um, just because, um, well, when I was a kid, I always loved their uniforms. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, now I'm a Steelers fan, but Drew Locke is not a good quarterback. He played five games. He put up decent numbers. He got extraordinarily lucky. He graded out as one of the worst quarterbacks of the year. He his his analytics, his scores, everything looks terrible. They are banking the entire future of the next few years on a quarterback who started five games, and he will. I, I'm gonna put this out there. I do not think he will be good. I do not think he's the next Garner issue. I do not think he will be good. I'm. I don't think he's gonna be good at all. He's a bad quarterback. I, I mean, I hope he's good. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I kind of like Drew Locke. I saw him play a good bit in college in the SEC at Missouri. I mean, he, he wasn't putting up extraordinary numbers, but you could definitely see there was some talent there. His arm talent is incredible. You know who was opinion, really good in college? Who? Mason Rudolph. Yeah. I know it doesn't translate, but, I mean, just with the offense they're putting around him, I mean, Jerry Judy, I think, is going to be the best rookie receiver this year out of an incredible class. Uh, C.D. Lamb could definitely make a case for that as well, but we'll get to him a little bit later. Drew Locke but, had a 58 PFF score, I know. which is which is fine if you're a backup quarterback. I said breakout year. Uh, we'll see. Um, what's the next division? We'll go to the NFC. All right. So now we're going to go to the NFC East. and Start with the uh, – I mean, NFC East North, my bad. Yeah. So – I this one I'm kind of leaning. <laughs> I'm tough. I'm gonna lean Green Bay. Yeah, because like a healthy Aaron Rodgers all year. I mean, you saw what happened last year with thirteen and three. I mean, they might not be the most talented team on in the in the league. I mean, the Vikings definitely are up there, and I think the Bears could compete too. 
I don't but, think they're a thirteen and three team. I don't. Yeah, I don't think they're thirteen. I think they should win. I think they could be 12, 12 one team. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go ten to six or ten to eleven. I say that as well. But I'm. But I'm. I'm gonna go with my gut and lean Green Bay here. I kind of agree with Green Bay, but uh, Viking Vikings are always kind of hit or miss. Like it's they're they're very inconsistent. But I feel like Justin Jefferson is a is a big pick for them. They need to get Dalvin Cook extended, but hopefully he'll be playing for them. Hopefully, he's but. Healthy. For the Bears, in my opinion, I think personally this is a make-or-break year, and I say break. Um, their quarterback situation is Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles. We all know Nick Foles is a system quarterback. He only plays well in Philadelphia. He hasn't had a good moment anywhere else. And Mitchell Trubisky, well, we've seen what he's done. What do you mean he's a steal of the draft? Trubisky? Yeah. They picked him second overall out <laughs> of North Carolina. That was unwarranted. Uh, I knew that was a mistake. I knew he was going to be a bust. He has not performed well at all. Oh, my God. And so they're de- it's sad to me because Chicago's defense is so good, but they're starting it get towards the end of that. And I think this is a make-or-break year, and I say break, right, personally. So what's, so we, our own, so what's our own prediction? I'm going to go Green Bay. Bay. I'm Green Bay. All right, we're go so, to the South. So this is, this is going to be a fun This one. is the one we're going to have disagreements on. This, this is going to be fun. I believe all four of these teams could have breakouts, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I, I'm going to lead New Orleans – Personally, mm-hmm. because I know New Orleans has Drew Brees, and I know they're they're a team that's been steadily winning games the last mm-hmm. three years. They can't do it in the playoffs because of bad luck. I I see Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, you know Leonard Fournette just signed with Tampa Bay, and you know you got Gronk, and they have crazy pieces in the wide receivers, and their defense is pretty good. I just don't think like you can just mesh. I don't. I, the mm-hmm. Tampa Bay will make the playoffs as a wild card team. My twenty fifteen Eagles. I think I, I was I was gonna say. I don't want to be this mean, but like they're doing exactly what the Browns did last year. They're 2015 Eagles too. Every yeah. possible option. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're turning Tampa Bay and they just like flip their team. Like Tom Brady's had to learn a new playbook for the first time in almost mm-hmm. 20 years. Yeah. And you think he's going to take that easily? Um, and they're going to make the playoffs and they could make a run in the playoffs. And I can see them winning the Super Bowl. Sure, for but they're sure. not going to win. The, I could see them being a third place team. I could see a team like. I mean, Carolina could get in there. The Falcons could get in there. I mean, both of those teams are could make the playoffs mm-hmm. if I'm, have good news. I'm going to go with the Saints, and, and people always say, "Well, what if Drew Brees regresses?" Mm-hmm. The thing is, if you if you look at some of the deeper numbers besides passing yards and touchdowns, uh, he has already regressed. He he doesn't take nearly all the crazy shots he used to. Mm-hmm. He takes easy receptions that gets him yards, gets him first downs, get him mm-hmm. closer to the end zone. That works for him. He has a high completion percentage. He will always have a high completion percentage because of that. Uh, I don't think he's going to fall off a cliff like Peyton Manning did. Mm-hmm. I don't see that happening. I, I think they, they I think they're going to win again. I, mean, I don't know if they'll do what they did last year. I think they won like 13 I wanna, games. But. I want to touch on that point about Drew Brees, just short completions down the field. He's got the perfect receiver for that, too, and Michael Thomas, the best slant runner in the NFL, in my opinion. I know he gets a lot of crap for it. I know you guys say, oh, well, he's so good, but he only catches slants. Like, that's effective. And if it's effective, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And plus, a big acquisition for the Saints that not a lot of people talk about, one of those under-the-radar moves. They got Emmanuel Sanders as well, who, of course, played for the 49ers last year, was a huge piece of that offense. And now he's going to New Orleans. Oh, my God, that pass. (laughs) That was, like, five or six yards Mm -hmm. shorter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Super Bowl could have been yep. completely different. But that is a huge, huge pickup for the Saints. And, of course, Kamara is back in camp. He's going to be playing again. Um, he's not going to be holding out from what I've been hearing. I'm going to have to go with the Saints as well. The Buccaneers would not be surprised if they could make some noise as well. Um, Panthers, I feel like a lot of people are underrating. I've always liked Teddy Bridgewater. 
and the Falcons have been kind of hit or miss the past couple of years, but we'll see how they shake out. So we still don't have any disagreements so far. Um, Head to the East. All right, we'll go to the East. Uh, the, Washington. No. The, the <laughs> East will be an interesting one. I'm going to – I don't believe in the Cowboys. I don't see the Giants have anything. The Redskins mm-hmm. don't have anything. It's definitely between – no one can argue that it's between the Eagles and the Cowboys, mm-hmm. 100%. I'm going to lead in Eagles. I feel like the Eagles are a more progressing team, and I don't. I just feel the like Cowboys are still kind of just rocky, and they All right, don't. We've got our first disagreement so. then, because I'm going to put Dallas, yeah, and a Dallas big reason too. for that is I know one player isn't enough to completely flip a whole team, but CD Lamb being added to the Dallas roster for that receiving core is going to be huge. I think Dak Prescott's going to have a big year, to be honest. I mean Ezekiel Elliott, Amari uh, Cooper, now CD Lamb. Add CD Lamb to that. I think already one of the better offensive lines in the league. I think this Dallas team is definitely going to be a force to be reckoned with this year. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how they do. Um, the Eagles, I, just, I don't know. I mean, Carson Wentz has struggled to stay healthy these past few years. Hasn't exactly – when he's on the field, he's – Super been, talented. Oh, he's incredibly talented. When he's on the field, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. The problem is he's got to stay on the field. I mean, he almost won the MVP that one year. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they do have Jalen Hurts to back him up now, which is definitely interesting. Um, they drafted a receiver in the first round, Jalen Rager, who I think is is kind of low-key one of the better picks of the draft, I think. A lot of people are overlooking him. A, a huge receiver class. He wasn't one of the big guys, so a lot of people overlook him. I think he's going to fit well in Philadelphia, so I think they're going to have a good team. But it's definitely between the Cowboys and Eagles. I'm leaning Dallas. And – uh Dallas, I mean, Dak Prescott, everybody shits on him, but he had a terrific year last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he almost threw 5,000 yards. I don't expect that to happen again. Um, I think a lot of that was probably garbage time, considering they went 8-8. Eight and eight. Mm-hmm. Um, But uh, I don't love the Cowboys, but they seem to get it done. Mm-hmm. So, West. y'all going Cowboys, I'm going Eagles. So, Going to NFC West. This one's going to be fun. This is my favorite division. Yes. This is the one division mm-hmm. I could see any of these teams win the division personally. Because if Kyler Murray has a breakout year like Lamar Jackson yeah, or Russell Wilson's had in the past, Arizona can can run it. I, I say this is his year. Getting DeAndre Hopkins for a tomato can of a contract like David Johnson's is absolutely incredible. He says he wants all his receivers to have a 1,000 yards. And he they're about, he can do it. Yeah, and they're about to extend Hopkins too. Yeah. I mean, the culture, the culture in Arizona right now and a great offensive coaching staff and a heavily criminally underrated defense led by Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones. So I'm going to throw it down right now. We're going to come back to this when that season ends. I'm going to pick the Arizona Cardinals. I'm, I'm winning the winning the NFC West. I thought we were going to have a debate on this. I'm going with the Cardinals, too. I feel like the 49ers drop off just a little, losing Emmanuel Sanders. It's not going to make or break that offense, but that is it, – it's losing a big piece. They lost a couple pieces on defense as well. I, wanna, I, I want to go with the Seahawks, to be honest. I think Russell Wilson is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, if you look at – Last year, um, if you look at the run differential on that team, they should have gotten eight and eight. Mm-hmm. Um, now you can think of that two different ways. The Seahawks got lucky, or Russell Wilson is very, very good at what he does. I say the latter. Um, so I I want I think I'm gonna go with the Seahawks. Um I don't think it's gonna be crazy. I don't think it's gonna be thirteen and three. Mm-hmm. I think it's gonna be a tight race. Mm-hmm. Um 
and I wish the Cardinals good luck. And if Kyler Murray does what everybody thinks he's going to do, it's it's going to be fun. I think he will. I mean, but I, I will say Russell Wilson is far and away the best quarterback in that division right now. Oh, yeah. If Kyler breaks out, it'll be very interesting to see which one has the better year. But for right now, Russell Wilson is far and away the best quarterback in that division. I mean, Kyler's I mean even the Rams, like Jared Goff, I mean, he brought him to Super Bowl two years ago. Jared Goff. So, I mean, they, they just got a – oh, what's his name out of Florida State? Why, can, why can't I think of his name? They just got that running back out of – Cam Akers out of Florida yeah. State mm-hmm. to replace Todd Gurley. I'm scared because, like, Daryl Henderson was supposed to be, like, the guy. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't. And now they're saying Cam Akers is the guy. Cam Akers is very talented, I though. He, he he didn't get as much national exposure because he was stuck at Florida State in their worst years. But Cam Akers is a dog. He is a great runner. Yeah. He, I mean, he's, he's got it all. The Rams sure need him to be, considering that uh, Jared Goff is sucking up their cap space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so still got a decent receiving core too, and Jalen Ramsey's still there. Aaron Donald's still they there. Can they still s- do it. All four teams in this division have a legitimate case, and I feel like we're overlooking the 49ers a little bit too. We haven't talked about them yeah. that much, but yeah, yeah I the Super Bowl hangover is real. We've seen yeah, it with Atlanta. I, yeah, I just don't think they're. I mean, they're 13 three last year, but I mean, the 49ers are never a scary team. The, the mm-hmm. thing about the 49ers is just how like their whole team is like a Swiss army knife. I mean, everybody says, Oh, I hate the 49ers because um, the missed quarterback play, Mm -hmm. the, the throw that would have won it all. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, not necessarily, but you know what I mean? Put them in a good spot. Um, I think if he makes that throw and even if they still lose, we're talking about the 49ers like, okay, Hey, they almost beat Patrick freaking Mahomes. Mm -hmm. Um, I think because of a one bad throw that many quarterbacks don't make that throw every time. Tom Brady's missed that throw before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not completely out on them. Um, I, that offense is interesting. Mm-hmm. The running game, we're going to have to see. Um, it's all up in the air. Uh, certainly going to be a, a battle of a division. I I don't expect every any team in that division to suck. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if I accept or expect every any team to excel like 13-3. Uh, it's, I mean, if it's a bloodbath, that's, that's fun. It's fun to watch. A couple more things I want to do just before we wrap this up is an MVP prediction for the NFL and the best record prediction for the NFL. MVP prediction. I mean, it's going out on a limb for this. Kyler Murray would be fun. That's what I was going to say, because it's kind of like last year, like Lamar Jackson. It, the MVP for me tends to go to the biggest like I wouldn't say breakout performance, but the most notable. It's like guys like Patrick Mahomes while he was hurt last year, of course, but he's always going to put up big numbers. You're always going to have guys putting up big numbers like that. But if Kyler breaks out and has a year similar to that of Lamar Jackson last year, I think he's definitely going to win it for sure. I would say Kyler Murray. I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes. Um, I feel like he's going to have like a break breakout year, better than the, his MVP mm-hmm. year. And I see Patrick Mahomes personally. A prediction he's going to win MVP, Super Bowl, and Super Bowl MVP again as the Chiefs winning it again. Not with a bad these. prediction, too. But when it comes to the best record, I have the Saints going 15 and 1. Mm-hmm. And their loss will come in that division, and I believe it'll be to the Bucks. Mm-hmm. But another shocker pick I could see at MVP is Tom Brady. That is very true. Well, it might not it's, even be a shock. Uh, LA has it MVP odds. They have Mahomes, Jackson, Russell, Deshaun, Tom Brady. Um, then they have Breeze, Prescott, Murray, um, and then a few spots later. They have that Brady. could be a sleeper pick, too. 
I, he did it. He almost threw for 5,000 yards. Mm-hmm. If he throws for 5,000 yards with 35 touchdowns. Now, again, if he's throwing those numbers, I don't – it was a lot of garbage time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to see. Uh, my best record prediction, the Saints pick, the only thing about it is you have to keep take into account divisional play. And that the NFC South is one of the tougher divisions in the league right now, and they're going to have to play those three other teams six times. I think that would kind of hinder them a little bit, not too much. Like I definitely think they're going to have a high win total. Like if like 13 to 15 wins is not an outrageous prediction, but I would say best record is going to go to the chiefs simply because they're the rest of their division is not the strongest. I mean, like I did predict Denver to have a better year this year, but even so, I mean, they're only going to have to play Denver twice. I think they should beat the Chargers. They should beat the Raiders, both pretty handedly. So I think the Chiefs are going to have the best record just because their divisional play is not that strong. And so I could see Kansas City winning 14 games with the best record. And I'm I'm torn on the uh, Patrick Mahomes contract deal because uh, in the last decade or so, there's only been like one or two other teams that have won the Super Bowl while having their quarterback on a huge deal. Mm -hmm. And if your quarterback takes up more than 14% of your cap, um, typically the team doesn't make make – I mean, look at the Steelers. They had Mm -hmm. Ben, Le'Veon, Antonio Brown, nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, Before that, I I mean, so like Tom Brady never had a huge cap. That's very true. That's very Um, true. You know who does have a big contract or cap-sucking deal? Aaron Rodgers Mm -hmm. after the Super Bowl. I mean, they haven't really been able to put much around him since. um, It's the Chiefs have done something that I don't love. Now, Patrick Mahomes could be the best quarterback ever. We don't know. I don't don't love that people say that after just a few years. I agree. It it could happen, but, like, they have locked up. A bunch of their guys, mm-hmm. so they have a they have a legitimate window of several years. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work out after those several years, I don't know how they'll be able to pick up other yeah. guys. I mean, it's just kind of scary. Over to through the draft too, and a big thing about Mahomes, like your thing with people saying he's going to be the greatest ever, I definitely see how that's a stretch, especially after only two seasons. Have they been phenomenal? Yes, um, but I wouldn't say it's a stretch to say he could be the best talent we've ever seen. Sure, we've never seen an arm like his. I would say in the history of the NFL, we've never seen the with talent. With this like arm, with the current love of passing, mm-hmm. and, and the and receivers he has, and the, the receivers, the and, speed threats, and all, all the analytics that go mm-hmm. into a quarterback that that guys um, like even even Brett Favre didn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, he has unlocked his talent probably more than anybody has. Maybe and I would say he's got the best supporting cast that you could possibly have around him. You've got Tyreek Hill, big deep speed threat. Miko Harmon. Big, deep speed threat. Um, Sammy Watkins, deep threat. You've got Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who was one of the best pass-catching backs in the nation in college last year at LSU with Joe Burrow. That, w- that was a, a genius pick. And I bl- during the draft, Andy Reid even mentioned that they asked Patrick Mahomes, who do you want? He said Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And you know what's interesting about the running backs? Mm-hmm. Reid turns, like, career not good running backs into mm-hmm. good running backs. Now, this true. is a guy who's got – Talent. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be really. I mean, in that offense, mm-hmm. this, this could be fun. I mean, Kansas City kind of runs a similar offensive style that LSU did last year. Deep threats. I mean, very heavy attack, aggressive. That's the kind of offense that Kansas City runs. Yeah. And with a big arm like Mahomes, and think about 
even in the run game too, how much of a difference that could make to have a back like Clyde Edwards Alaire, who's that talented. I mean, you can ha- you can run so many different options. I mean, you could run, you could find some exceptional draw plays that you could design for him. And even then you hand the ball off to him a couple times, it's gonna open up the middle of the field. Suffice to say, if you play Madden online and you're using the Chiefs, you're gonna get a lot of rage quits. Mm-hmm. It's, it's gonna be fun. For sure. Um I think we're gonna gonna wrap it up here. Um, unless anyone else wants to add anything. Good. I think it's been a great first episode. We'll we'll get into the the rhythm of um, different sounds. Um, eventually move the name. We're eventually move to YouTube. Yeah. You. Start recording YouTube. I'll hopefully get some sort of a schedule. Um, but thank you guys for listening, and uh, please tune in again. Thanks, guys.